evening. Uh, this year is about is going to be about Chaga Shabuot, which is also called Zman Matan Torateinu, and its connection to the parish of Sota in, the, in this week's parish in the parish of Nosso. This year is dedicated in memory of Dr. Chuck, Chuck Feldman, Zichronoli Bracha, by his loving family. Um, he was a very special person, a well-known doctor in New Jersey. I've mentioned it in the past, and it's certainly worth mentioning again. The holiday that is coming up, which we're going to celebrate on Sunday, this coming Sunday, is called Chaga Shavuot. Chaga Shavuot, and that's what it's called in the Torah. That's what it's called in the Torah. But in the Tefillah that we say, and in the Kiddush that we say on that night, we add a further explanation. And that explanation is man matan tarateinu. It is the time that the Torah was given. The time that the Torah was given. Now, in the Torah itself, where most days, special days are mentioned, biblical special days, and there are no other special days, when the, these things are mentioned in the Torah, the idea of Zman Matan Tenu doesn't exist. There is no Zman Matan Tenu in the Torah. But there is for us a Zman Matan Tenu. In fact, this day of Shavuot is full of our attempts to rejuvenate the idea of Matan Torah which doesn't exist as an obligation in the Torah. And in fact, it really couldn't because in Chazal, Chazal understand that the day, the day that the Torah was given was Vav Sivan, the sixth day of the month of Sivan. And today, today, the sixth day of the month of Sivan is always the day of Shavuot, which is always the day that follows Svirata Omer. So Friday night, we'll say it'll be the last day of the Svirata Omer. And the day following the last day, that Sunday, is Chag Shavuot and Zman Matan In order for this to work out every single year, in this remarkable way that you count the 50 days of Surat HaOmer and then you always have, you always have Shavuot, which is in fact also Zman Matan Torah because it's the sixth day of Sivan always. This could only be true if we have a calendar. And after the time when the Jewish people announced the new moon by looking up in the sky and trying to understand if there is a new moon or not. He says, when that passed, eventually was a clear and ever-present need for a calendar. 
and they made the calendar. They made the calendar because they no longer were tied to Rosh Chodesh exactly. They made it work so that it would always turn out that the 50th day of Svirat Omer, I know we only count 49 days, but the 50th day of Svirat Omer will always be Vav Sivan. And therefore, you can say that Chag HaShavuot is Zman Matan Torateinu. Zman Matan Torateinu. And that's how it came to be. Of course, you could ask, well, why was all of this necessary? If the Torah didn't tell us, if the Torah didn't tell us to commemorate Matan Torah, the Torah told us to commemorate Yitziat Mitzrayim, the Torah told us to commemorate the time we spent in the desert, but the Torah did not tell us to commemorate the giving of the Torah, Zman Matan Torateinu, Avav Sivan, or any of those things. Why was it so important to create a holiday, right? We didn't create the Mikra Kodesh of the holiday, the sanctification of the holiday. We didn't create a day where there were all these kinds of limitations that we have sometimes on Shabbat, sometimes on Yom Tov. We didn't create that day, but we created a meaning of that day. The meaning of that day was Man Matan We created that. And why did we create it? If the Torah didn't create it, then why did we create it? Why did we create that? That's a partial of this confusion or this bread, a kind of confusion in which the people were not entirely certain about how you do that. And we know that there's a mitzvah to tell the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And in order to tell the story properly, you have to have visual aids. You, know, you have a piece of matzah, you have uh, food that you eat, the Korban Pesach, you have all of these things. And the same thing is true about Sukkot. You sit in a sukkah in order to, to show God's concern and protection that it was exercised uh, during the time in the Midbar in the desert. But how are we supposed to do this man matan What are we supposed to do? So so we have to we remember that there are two main uh, 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 kind of branches in terms of this question. Or maybe three. We'll say two first and then I'll add on a third. The first branch is people who learn Torah in the method of yeshivas. You know, instead of learn, it could be young men, older men, very old men, everybody's still moving around. The minig is, the minig is, you learn. You learn, what do you learn? Whatever you're learning. Whatever you learned yesterday, the day before, whatever you're up to, that's what you learn. That's what you learn so that there is a kind of a, a notion that's man matan Torateinu is about the Torah that we learn. That's what we received. The received Torah is not just some kind of theoretical uh, Torah, but the received Torah is the Torah that I'm learning. That's what matan Torah means. That's one branch. The second branch is uh, most of the Edot Mizrach. A lot of a lot of uh, Balabatim. 
they they have a tikkun. There are different kinds of tikkunim, but the tikkun is basically says you have to learn the whole Torah. You have to learn the whole Torah from beginning to end. Well, that's a tough order. How are you going to learn the whole Torah from beginning to end? So the tikkun says to you, he says, well, like, you learn a little bit of Breshit, then a little bit of Nock, then a little Lechlecha. You learn a little bit of every parsha, and you hope that by the end of the evening, you finish the whole book that you've learned. So there is this kind of, on the one hand, right, the yeshiva people who think that you just learn, you do whatever you're learning, you don't have to, it's not about quantity. It's just about the quality that you're able to achieve. That's that's where you are, in the in the scale of of learning. That's uh, the other the other uh, uh, position, the position of the tikkun, is that you should uh, you should. We received the entire Torah. We should take note of that somehow. I mean, it's a little difficult to actually go through the entire Torah in one night, but you go through parts of the Torah, and the and the Tikkun will continue to contain parts of the Torah, Torah Shemichtav, in different places, and maybe a little bit of Mishnah, etc. It was just like this idea that I want to kind of be thankful, according to the to the yeshiva position, I would say. I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to to experience this relationship between man and God through the Torah that I'm learning. And according to the Svartic, uh the Svartic custom, what I'm doing is what I'm doing is I'm I'm trying to respond to the idea that I received the Torah. All of the Torah. I don't want to make, even though I'm not, I'm not able to learn all of the Torah at one time, I can sort of indicate that what I'm interested in is the entirety, the entirety of the Torah. If I was thinking about the, who's better, which is better, so of course, I mean, I'm I'm kind of prejudiced because I was brought up a certain way, and I do it as I do it, I do it a certain way. But I could still ask, I think, well, what happened on the sixth day of Sivan? What, what, what am I commemorating? I mean, what is it? Give me a, define for me what happened on the sixth day, on the sixth day of Sivan. So you know that Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai on the sixth day of Sivan. This is in... Uh, this is described in Shemot in this 19th chapter. And the 20th chapter is the assert that he brought. Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai and he received assert that he brought. However, you have to remember that at that time, it wasn't only Moshe Rabbeinu who went up to Har Sinai, it was all of Am Yisrael. All of Am Yisrael went up in some way or other with Moshe Rabbeinu. And because they were up on Har Sinai with Moshe Rabbeinu, it seems to me that they experienced that what happened in Har Sinai was that they experienced the prophecy of Torah. 
just as Moshe Rabbeinu experienced the prophecy of so so that they all experienced the prophecy of Torah. They were they were just like Moshe Rabbeinu for that moment. Because they only heard, according to Chazal, they only heard two Dibrot, two of the Ten Commandments. When they came down from Har Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu taught them the rest of the Ten Commandments that they had heard. So that that it seems to me, it seems to me that this experience of Har Sinai was in order to make sure that everybody understood that it could happen. What could happen? That God would decide to give Moshe Rabbeinu the Torah to teach to B'nai Israel. Something that they could never justify if it was just a story. But since every person, every person in in the, the nation, every person in the nation at that time accepted or, or was part of the experience of Moshe Rabbeinu. So it wasn't like they were telling the story because they believed Moshe Rabbeinu. They were telling the story that they knew to be true because they had experienced it. They had experienced it so that mat, the Matan Torah of the Matan Torah of Vav Sivan was not a Matan Torah of content. It wasn't that Moshe Rabbeinu came and taught B'nai Yisrael the Torah. At the most, he taught B'nai Yisrael the Aseret that they brought. But the Ikar, the main part of the story is that B'nai Yisrael, standing at Har Sinai, were able to participate in the experience that Moshe Rabbeinu had. They were able to be part of that experience and therefore were able to validate the notion, validate the notion that the Torah was in fact going to be given by God to Moshe Rabbeinu to be taught to them. Which is why when Moshe Rabbeinu then went up on Har Sinai the second time in order to uh, to receive the Torah and stay there, stayed there for 40 days or 40 nights, the, the people didn't go. People didn't go with him. They were afraid to go. They were overwhelmed by the experience. They didn't go, but but they didn't have to go. They didn't. That was the whole idea here. That they were they were accepting of the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu could have received the Torah from God because they experienced that process on their own. So they were not telling us something that they heard from Moshe Rabbeinu, but they were telling us about something that they knew could happen. Strange as it sounds, as difficult as it is to understand, it was certainly part of what B'nai Yisrael uh, learned and understood. So if we go back to the holiday called Zvan Matan Toradenu, which in fact takes place on the sixth day, the sixth day of uh, of Sivan, which is the day that Moshe Rabbeinu and B'nai Yisrael went up at Har Sinai, at the end of chapter 19 in, in uh, the book of Shemot, and the beginning, of course, of the book of uh, the, the chapter 20, which is the chapter that they wrote. So we understand, I think, 
the the two positions, right? That the idea that you learn whatever you're learning, that the important is to connect to something, I think is appropriate to the way I understand it. It's appropriate to the way I understand it. And the way I understand it is that that Tvav Sivan was basically experiential. It was something that happened to B'nai Yisrael. It happened to B'nai Yisrael. And it was, uh, it, it changed their way of thinking about things. Which sounds to me like a description of Talmud Torah as we do it, as we do it today. Whereas the idea in the in the tikkun, which is that somehow you go through all of uh, all of the Torah, uh, is is incorrect actually, because on Vav Sivan, there was no all of the Torah. Even though it's true that B'nai Israel learned the Parsha Bishpatim, Parsha Bishpatim has a lot of rules in it. And those rules were taught to the Israel in order that they should be able to answer the question, do you want it? Right? That they said, Naseb Nishma. Naseb Nishma means we will do what we know that we have to do. And we accept that there are more things to do. Right? That's a kind of an acceptance that's acceptable. It's, it makes sense. So that's what the parish of Mishpatim was. At the end of the parish of Mishpatim, at the end of the parish of Mishpatim, went up to Har Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. And I think at that time, he's, he learned all of the mitzvot. Okay, we'll, we'll get back, we'll get back to that. So we see now that this day, Vav Sivan, this day called Vav Sivan, is, is a special day. It's a special day, and it's special because it's about how people felt standing at Har Sinai, what they experienced, and that's called Zman Matan Torah. They know, even though it was not the time that the Torah was given. The Torah was given later. But Zman Matan Torah means it was the time that everybody understood that there could be a Torah given by God to, to Moshe Rabbein. That's what they, that's what they, everybody, that's what everybody understood. So on the, to answer the other question, why, why did we have to invent why did we have to invent Smatan Matantarateno? And if you look carefully at the calendar, you'll see, interestingly enough, there's another day of Matantara. I mean, it's not Matantara, but it's sort of the same. And that's Simchatora. Simchatora, how do I celebrate Simchatora? I announce to the world that I finished the Torah, every parish, I finished the whole year of Parashat Shavua. In other words, kind of a tikkun position. The tikkun lel shabuot is that I have to kind of note the fact that everything is uh, I have to note the fact 
that uh, that there's a there's a Torah. It was again, I think, the idea of learning Torah ad Shavuot and making up for the parashiot of the Torah on Sukkot seems to me to be the the better option, right? In terms of a, like a conceptual way of of looking at it. But every person, every person is obliged to celebrate, to celebrate Shavuot. And celebrating Shavuot means, celebrating Shavuot means the idea of Matan Torah, which we celebrate by learning Torah. And everybody also has to celebrate Simchat Torah, which is about the parashiyot that I've learned during the past year, which is the acceptance of the content of Torah, right, which took place for Am Yisrael on the Yom HaKippurim after Vav Sivan. Yom HaKippurim, when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai and looked at the people, he said, we have to build a Mishkan, a tabernacle. We have to start now and build a tabernacle. So you have these two ideas that are expressed in these two days. These two days that are connected to Yom Tov, right? That kind of became empty days. Right? There's no Beit HaMikdash. They can't really do Shavuot. Can't bring the Korbanot. We can't do Shavuot. And the same thing is true about Shmini Atzeret. Shmini Atzeret is a day that doesn't really have mitzvot, special mitzvot connected to it, as did the holiday of of, uh, of Sukkot. And so, so we we are confronted confronted by loss. Like we lost holidays. We lost Shmini Atzeret, and we lost Chaga Bikurim, Chaga Bikurim, Chaga Shavuot. We lost them. We lost them. That's, we lost the Beit Hamikdash. And in general, we make up for the. We managed to make up somehow. I mean, it's hard to know the spirit of the people and why things happen as they happen, but. There's no doubt that Am Yisrael was able to reconstruct itself after the Chumran Beit HaMikdash, after the destruction of the Temple, in such a way that that uh, the Talmud Torah became the essential component of the of the nation. I mean, there was always Talmud Torah. People always learned Torah, but the idea that you can't live without Talmud Torah Right, accepting, uh, accepting a pasuk in Yoshua, the Gita Lo Yom of is a kind of essential direct, directive. I mean, not obvious, not an obvious position. So after the Churban Beit Hamikdash, the Torah was was kind of becoming the central command. And of course, as long as there was a Beit HaMikdash, 
it didn't need, the Torah didn't need to be celebrated. It was always there. It was always part of the, but when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, the Chachamim wanted us to understand that there was something that was going to carry us through, that would make us, uh, that would keep us from being susceptible to the warp and the woof of history. It wasn't history that would determine our future. That's what we thought. It wasn't history that would determine the future, but it was Torah. It was Torah that would determine the future. And these two aspects of Kabbalah Torah, the two aspects of Kabbalah Torah, Shavuot, Zvan Matan Torah which seems like it commemorates the day of the experiential Kabbalah Torah. And, and uh, uh, Simchat Torah, Simchat Torah, which commemorates the day that I finished all of the different parts of the Torah, all the different parashiyot from Breshit until, until Simchat Torah. It seems like a, like a like a worthy a worthy change a, a worthy change. It was as Chazal said, we have these days in a calendar which don't are no longer able to function. The prohibitions against doing labor on those days and etc. They all exist. They continue to exist. The day remains special. It's unique in its in its way. Okay. I want to make uh, say say a few words about the mitzvah of Sota. You know, the mitzvah of Sota is a is a it, it's about the inability of the legal system to deal with every single problem. If a woman is seen by witnesses to be closeted in a room with another man, but the witnesses don't know what happened in that room, and she declares that she's innocent, the baked in, the judgments cannot, uh, can't deal with it. There's no way for them, for the, uh, for the big mishpat to do because they can't get that piece of information. What happened in the room? The husband, however, may remain unhappy. You know, I mean, the fact that the bait then tells him he should go home, that doesn't make him happy. He wants to, he wants to know, did something happen? Didn't something happen? So briefly, you all remember 
you should remember that there was a, a, a kind of a, a, a miraculous solution. You go to the Kohen, the Kohen makes a potion. We could look into it if we had time. Not sure we have time. We have a, well, the Kohen had a potion, made a potion. She drank it. If she was innocent, she would live. And if she was guilty, she would, she would die. So you have an interesting idea. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is intervening in order to reconstitute Shalom Bayit. Shalom Bayit is something of great importance, which I am, we're not going to discuss now, but you understand the future generations depend on Shalom Bayit. Right? You want your children to be reasonable, you want them to act normally or reasonably, you want them to be able to function in a difficult world, have priorities that are important. All of these things are, are you want, and all of these things you're going to get because HaKadosh Baruch is going to make sure that if there is no reason to be suspicious of, you, of the wife, uh, everybody's going to know that. Everybody's going to know that there's no reason to be suspicious. So I would call this a mitzvah. This is a mitzvah. The Rambam has an entire section of the Yad HaZakah Batsota, various, various regulations of Sota. What I wanted to mention, what I want to mention is, um, is the following. Just one second. Wish we could go through it. The Rambam Hilchas Sota, Perik Gimel. Hilchas Sota, Perik Gimel. You see it? Ima Barbich Gadishto, a bad guy takes his wife to this process. He adds to his sin, further sin. He caused the parasha, the parasha of Sota is erased in this process. I'm sorry. Okay. He, he is the sinner. And if he causes his wife to go through this process, he knows that there's nothing wrong with his wife. He's just saying that. And so he caused this uh, terrible thing that the Shem HaMaforash, the name of God written in the Pasha, is going to be erased. And then he is also denying somehow that the Mesotah worked. Sheishtau Amerit. 
ולא בדקו בה המים. She says that maybe she did uh, have uh, uh, an illicit relationship. And the waters of the Sota didn't actually do the job. And, and she didn't find, she didn't realize that it's because the husband is the way he is that the May Sota don't work. In other words, both of them were, both of them were, were what do you do in such a case where both of the husband and the wife are guilty? Uh, you look your tet, you see the 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 Rambam yutet. Lefikat b'sherabu hamenafim. This is a quote from the Gemara. Therefore, when the number uh, when in in the nation of Israel, there were more and more people engaged in illicit sexual activity, begalui. There were more and more of them who was known to us in the Second Temple era, but Luha Sanhedrin at Mehamarim, the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin, they did away with this process. Visamchu al Hakatu Bikabalah, the Basuk in Oshea. Lo efkod al benotechem ki tizena al kol kalotechem ki tinafena. The possibility in Oshea seems to actually relate to this, to this, uh, to this question, and it says, Lo efkod al benotechem ki tizena. God says, I won't. Pay any attention to the women who uh, who uh, prostitute themselves, right? But right? This pasuk we see at the bottom. The pasuk is written here. Love God, Abenotechem Kitiznena, Val Kalotechem Kitina Afna, Ki Heim Im Hazo Noti Paredu Vimak They showed. So you can't trust them. And therefore you can't expect God to be concerned about them. And this is how Rashi explains it. You see Rashi, I won't pay attention to them to allow the waters to test the women and determine if they're guilty or not. When they become prostitutes, lama kiba alehem imzanot yiparedu. Their husbands are with the the prostitutes because sher ein haish menukem avon ein hamayim both kiba dishto. And we know, as the Rambam said, when the man is not uh, innocent. The the process of Mesota is not going to work for his wife. Yipardu, Yipardu, and then he quotes the Targum Yonasan, who says, Me stai en lishon si'a, klomar, mitchabrim itam lishtot yayin. Mitchabrim itam. But we get the idea that if the husband is guilty, then the Mayim are not going to determine 
the guilt or the innocence of the uh, of the uh, the woman. So look the Rambam again, Rambam and Yutet. The Rambam says, "Fikach nisharabu hamenafim begalui bebayit sheni bitlu hasanhedrin dehasanhedrin edmei amarim." So there's a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah in the Torah which was uh, prefaced upon it upon the fact that the Jews deserve this kind of mitzvah. They deserve this kind of resolution. And because they deserve this kind, uh, this, uh, because they deserve this kind of resolution, uh, it exists. But once it becomes impossible, the whole thing becomes impossible because the may marim don't work if the husband is also guilty. So the Rakhel works, so the Chachamim understood that there was hardly any point to doing it in this uh, period of time. So they did away with the mitzvah. They did away with the mitzvah. So there are mitzvahs that you could do, do away with. And we saw, I just want to, to kind of summarize this point. If we try to divide the mitzvahs up into groups, not what are the taryag mitzvot, but what kind of mitzvot are there? So there are mitzvot that we have to keep all the time, whether we're in Eretz Yisrael or in Chutz Laretz. There are mitzvot that are connected to, to ourselves, to our bodies, the things that we do. We put on tefillin, uh, for example. Uh, there are mitzvot that the Rambam, the Ramban says, mitzvot that they were just created for a moment. And there's the mitzvah of Sota, which is not created for a moment, but is a function of the worthiness of the Israel. They're unique. It's a unique mitzvah, and that's what the Ramban, that's what the Ramban points out. That the uniqueness of the mitzvah of Sota is in the fact that it is a function of uh, whether or not Bene Israel deserve this clarification. That's made by, made by the Sota, so that uh, we know that the end of the parish of Mishpatim in the Chumash, Rashi quotes Rav Saadjigon, and Rav Saadjigon says, Rav Saadjigon says that when Moshe Rabbeinu gave Bnei Yisrael the Ten Commandments, he actually gave them an outline, a blueprint of all the mitzvot in the Torah that each one of the Ten Commandments is a kind of a category. And if you add together all the mitzvot and all the category, you'll get tariyak. That's what Rav said. Interesting, Rashi quotes the Rav Sadyagon. It's right at the end, or near the end of the parasha of, of uh, Mishpatim. So you could say, you could say that there's another way, there's another way of celebrating Shavuot on the night of Shavuot, when you want to learn Torah, and that is to learn mitzvot in the Torah. The mitzvot of the Torah is to look at the Sefer mitzvot of the Rambam or Sefer mitzvot or the editions of the Rambam. There's another another option of learning, at least according to Rapsad Yagod and Rashi uh, at the end of the parasha, at the end of the parasha Mishpatim. So we've tried to clarify what it means to say that Shavuot is man matan teratenu, 
what the kind of mitzvah is and what why there are different ways of performing the mitzvah and which way might be the superior way of performing the mitzvah of matan matan uh, in in the world in which we live i told you that there's another another thing that popular today is instead of learning torah i listen to somebody say torah which is good for very few people most people don't remember and don't can't really internalize what they are, are learning unless they learn it in a uh, in a more serious in a more serious way so my suggestion is they would take a gemara whatever they're learning and uh, stay up as long as you can as long as your mind is still working after that i don't see the point i might as well go to sleep okay have a wonderful shavuos have a good shabbos all the best to you you too thank you thank you rabbi